Welcome to Love in Brief, an ABDL advice podcast focused on issues of love. That's love for yourself, Mm -hmm. love for others, Mm -hmm. love for your community, love for music and ice hockey. It's not really about those last two things, Uh, but it is about all those other things. I am resonant, yes. Oh, I'm road not taken. Indeed you are. And today we're doing an episode we have been trying to record for God, months um, that we have been working to sort of coordinate people, and then we had to skip one. And anyway, this is an episode that is near and dear to our hearts. Um, and in a little bit, we'll actually dig into the topic and introduce our guest. But right up front, I'm going to tell you um, this is one that I've been super excited about that is too big for one episode of Love and Brief. So we're going to do, we'll call this episode one of several to come in the coming months. This is like a series. Yeah, except not in a row because. I don't know when that we're going to do the next one, but it's, it is definitely a, a series. It's a disjointed series. It's a disjointed series. It's a surprise series. You never know if there's going to be one more and when. That's right. Uh, but I know when the first one is, and that's... Right now. That's right now. So um, first, I'm going to introduce our guests, and I'm going to let them go a little bit above and beyond in our introductions. Typically, we say, tell us your name and something uh, that you love, and... Um, Instead, I because today we're going to be talking about race, um, I'm going to invite our guests to share not just the name that they're going to uh, go by on the podcast, but also to share their, if they'd like to share their gender identity, they can, but to share their racial ide- identity in any way they can. Mm-hmm. Terminology is one of those things that becomes so important when we talk about identities, and so I'm going to invite them to share it in any way they see fit. Uh, so maybe... We can start with our friend Blue Pandora. Um, I wonder if you could introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us about the racial identity or the terminology that you prefer, and also tell us about your love. Hi, so I'm Blue Pandora, and I am a black lady. I'm a black woman trying to say black. I'm just going to say black five more times. Black, 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 black. (laughs) Don't know if that was five, but it sounds good. Driven that one Uh, home, yeah. Totally okay to say. (laughs) And right now, uh, I describe my love as I love my long-term partner and my very tiny, smelly dog and the wonderful life that we've made here. Technically, I'm a part of an open relationship, but I am a lazy sexual, which means basically I <laughs> love, love the idea of having another partner. But, you know, you have to go on date and meet people. Oh, and, yeah. oh that's a lot of work. Lot, lot that's of all work. a lot of work. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I, I appreciate that introduction and I will feel very comfortable saying black. Thank you for that. Um, I will also introduce, uh, our other guest today who is sleepy K sleepy K. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit, if you'd like, you can speak to your gender. You can also speak to your racial identity or the terminology you prefer and tell us about your love. Um, let's see. Um, well, I mean, I guess I answered as a, um, as him, he, pronouns um as far as racial identity i usually just go by either like asian american or like chinese american um if you want to get specific um love right now lately i've been feeling a lot of love for like um my king family and like my and like all the friends i've made over the years you know i I think a lot about all you guys um and yeah i love i love your love for for this and for us because we love it too and man we go back a ways 
We go back quite a ways. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Can I share my favorite Sleepy K story? Please um, do, yeah. From Delaware. Uh, so we hadn't formally met, and I was uh, just starting to date RY, and he had gone fearlessly into the ocean, and I am terrified of the ocean, so he was very far out. And I thought I was standing by myself watching him, and then just to my right, I hear, <sighs> let him go. He belongs to the sea now. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked right and there was Sleepy and he was just nodding solemnly and I was like, I like you. That's so <laughs> You're good. good. That's so good. <laughs> it was so funny. I laughed. I could I was like giggling uncontrollably. That's very sleepy. I love it. So um I mentioned that today's episode is going to talk about race. And um the question comes to us actually, we had four people who we we figured that would be the most we've ever had on this podcast at one time. Mm-hmm. And we said we're gonna do a panel with four people. We had a person who is uh Latinx, we had uh, a person who was a black male who was gonna be on the program, and then we ended up saying, you know what, these two folks are the beginning of a conversation mm-hmm. because there is no way we're going to finish a conversation about race in a brief podcast about love. So we're going to begin a conversation with two of our close friends. And I'm really particularly excited because race is a very difficult thing to talk about. And I would rather have this conversation with two trusted close friends to start the conversation and and to say, this is just the beginning of what I think will be a very big conversation mm-hmm. with a number of different people. With that said, um, we happen to have one black woman and one Asian American or one Chinese American man today. That's who we have to chat with. And I'm thrilled about that. And their experience doesn't represent other black women, other black people, other Asian Americans, other mm-hmm. Chinese Americans, other Chinese American men, etc. Their experience represents their experience. Uh, and we know that no experience is monolithic particularly the experience of any given individual trying to represent an entire race. It doesn't work that way. So uh, with that said, I'll also share my racial identity, which is I'm a white guy. I'm a fourth generation Irish guy. Um, and my, my people haven't been in the U.S. all that long. And yet when I walk around, uh, I don't experience racial prejudice and racial bias because of the color of my skin. So I have no idea what it's like to be a person of color. And R&T, fair fair to say the same for you? Same for me. I am a, oh God, no telling how many generations because they're all smushed so tightly together, um, Cajun woman. um, And yeah, fair to say that people assume absolutely nothing about me. Right. As far as I can tell. Right. So about about my color of my skin, about being a woman, I'm sure they make their own assumptions. That's a whole different show. It's a whole different thing. Yeah. But nothing. So I I think we have a lot to learn here and I can't wait to. Yeah. So ready to ready to come in um, to learn. So here's the question. And I promise we'll actually dive in. This question comes to us from Ebony DL from Instagram. Um, And the question is, as a person of color, I would love to hear an episode about conforming and about the ways that we may experience the scene differently. And the scene is the ABDL world. So this is a big old question, and I, would, I just want to dive in with both feet. Is there anybody who wants to kind of start us off? Talk to me about conforming, if that comes up, and talk to me about the ways that being a person of color in the ABDL scene might be different. Uh, I would say that it's 
it's funny because uh, you experience this sense of conformity in any sort of community that isn't your own. Like you see various types of it. And within the ABDL community itself, it comes out like the last pink party I was at, for example, there was this one moment in which a lot of ABDLs of color got together and we all realized that we were together and we all just started like screaming, high five, like we busted into the electric slide. It was so fun because we just realized, oh, this is kind of a rarity. This is a thing that doesn't mm. happen that often. And uh, we probably scared a few people, which is fine, but <laughs> it was this really nice moment of like familiarity and family. Yeah. And normally you go into these spaces, usually these ABDL spaces, and you're just sort of like trying to feel everything out to see where when you can like fit yourself in, if it's okay if you fit yourself in because you don't look like everybody else there. You're probably vastly outnumbered. You know, I, it, I was just seeing some people on my local Discord chat talking about how Instagram is all AFAB, young petite, slim, white women and how focused everything is on that. And if you're any, if you're not that, it's really hard to feel valued in the community at all. So you used a phrase that I'm really interested in, which is, um, you said when you're in a community, any community that isn't your own. And I think you illustrated that for instance, with, you know, being online on Instagram or Tumblr. Uh, but can you say more about that? This, that ABDL is a community that isn't your own. I remember dipping my toe into the ABDL community and being like, no one here looks like me. No one even, no one here even remotely looks like me. So how can I ever feel a part of this community? So it felt very separate for a long time. And I think recently, uh, so many people who aren't this male are feeling like, okay, we can actually have our part of this community. We can be a part of this community. And we're trying to figure out what that looks like. And, how to make ourselves visible and known. Are you starting to see that change? Are you starting to see more representation in the community from people of color? It is like, it's so funny because I've often heard people who are not so happy about how loud minorities have gotten in the scene, express that anger. And I always tell them, these people have always been here. It's just that we're only now feeling comfortable with like, expressing that we are here and we're present, but they've always been in the community where we didn't come from nowhere. <laughs> and what I know, uh, this is back a little, a few sentences, but what did it feel like whenever you looked around and realized that people didn't look like you did in your community? Did it feel, um, or what did it feel like? I, I just would like to know. I mean, it, it feels like a Tuesday. Like that's a very normal occurrence for any minority that lives in a lot of countries, quite frankly, but obviously I'm speaking of my experience in the U S but it's a pretty normal occurrence. So you go into the community and you're like, Oh, here's another one in which I'm other, you know, and you deal with it accordingly. And you, a lot of people conform and try to fit in and try to like blend in and, it doesn't work because you, at the end of the day, still look very different. Everybody knows you're different. You can't blend in when you're black that well. People can still see your face, you know, but. Mm. 
Sleepy K, I'm curious if this is something you have experience with, entering into a scene that doesn't feel like your own and then conforming or feeling pressure to conform. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I'm from like the rural South and like, just to get an idea of like how I guess out of place I looked like my high school, I was like one of maybe like two Asians, you know, wow. and probably in the whole like County, there was like maybe 20 of us. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so like, um, you know, and, and the way you fit in and the way I would just like, I guess the way I tried to like fit in was just like, really just tried to play up like what, um, other, you know, what white people consider normal, you know, and, you know, take like, you know, have an interest in like, um, in like, you know, that country way of life and like, um, and just try to fit in there. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, what, did you ever get like really ignorant questions? Cause I got a lot. Of uh, <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, like I mean, I, I, I'd get the old like Ching Chang Chong thing, and then they'd get do the whole like, is it true Chinese people eat cats, and like, just all this other. I, like, like I remember one time I was in high school, and like I had just transferred to another high school, and like basically like my like first week there after after me being in that school for like, you know, several days, they were like, hey, uh, we're gonna need you to take this English proficiency exam. What? And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, you know, any, you know, any students of color, we just asked them to take it. Wow. And I was like, well, and I was sitting there like, I was like really stunned. I was like, why do I have to take this exam? Yeah, let me tell you, I've never had to take that exam. I've known enough people yeah. from the rural South was, that, um, I, that would not pass that exam who are, that look like me. I was going to say, as someone from the rural South, oh, yeah. it is not, it's people who look exactly like me who would fail that test. <laughs> And I'm not saying everybody, just to be clear. I, you know, I married somebody from the rural South, just point B. So, <laughs> Sleepy, when you, when you entered into the ABD, ABDL community, did you have an experience like Pandora where you walked in and, and nobody looked like you? And maybe there was even a sense that you needed to start that code switching, even within the ABDL community? I don't know, because like, I guess maybe, maybe unconscious, subconsciously I did. I mean, like honestly, like I... Whenever I'm in, like, whenever I when would go to King events in general, like, I just wouldn't see, like, many Asian people there. I don't know, I guess because I've never had other Asian people I was around. Yeah. You know? yeah. That, like, I didn't, I didn't really think there was a code that I had to switch, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, you know, like, usually, like, if I was around my, like, my, if I was around my family, they would just, you know, talk Chinese, and I don't really speak a whole lot of Chinese. Um, and... I mean, they would, they would say, and I mean, they, they would probably say things like, don't be, you know, like, like you're the, you, you're like Chinese and American people are like this. And they would say, I guess when they would say American people, I guess they meant like, like white people, hmm. you know? Um, and so like, really that's, I guess that's the most code switching I would get. Hmm. I think the, the, the point about feeling like your family, even your family is like, you know, Americans, meaning white people, it demonstrates that there is a sort of like a normative view that even people of color sometimes absorb because y'all are swimming in the same, you know, brackish water we are. And it, it becomes this idea that like there's normal and then there's other than normal. Right. Which is 
part of what's so destructive that if you walk into a party and it's like, there's the normal people, meaning white people, or, or as your family may have said, there's the, the Americans, meaning white people, which is just so not an accurate representation of what an American is. But the more that we see that, I think the more yeah. that gets driven home to everybody. I'm specifically thinking for this podcast in the ABDO world, have you experienced prejudice? Have you experienced bias? And how did that show up? <laughs> I'm just going to laugh evilly into the void because it happens so often. It's like, it's hard to pinpoint it at this point, but it is it's so prevalent and it's prevalent to the point where it's just like, I'll, I'll keep it really cute. How about this? Like whenever we talk about little's experiences, I always kind of am tickled by the fact that for black people, the stuff that we associate with being little is different from the stuff that often white people feel about being little. So Hmm. the stuff that we grew up with and stuff that kind of is like our, you know, little triggers can be different. And it's kind of fun getting around other black people and being like, Oh, remember this? How do you feel about that? You know, that's a little different from like a typical white American experience, a typical white American ABDL experience. I love this. Do you have any examples? I'm, I'm, I'm so intrigued. For example, like I always joke with my boyfriend who uh, is a quarter black about McDonald's money and not to say that white people didn't get this too, but there's always this joke in the black community of like, Oh, I want to go to McDonald's. Like you're a kid and you're talking to your mom or your dad. And you're like, oh, I want to go to McDonald's and get a happy meal. And then your parent goes, uh, do you have McDonald's money? Like that's a, that's a black, <laughs> very black thing. It's a rude black parent thing to say, like asking a five-year-old, do you have McDonald's money? Cause you don't want to, like, oh, you want to go there? That's great. Uh, how are you going to pay for it? You know, that's a very oh, that's black great. thing. <laughs> so, like, whenever I get to play like that with partners, we always joke about stuff like that. It's super fun. So my mom um, grew up in a town where uh, at her high school, she was actually uh, being white in the minority. And so she grew up learning, I guess, some of those. And I definitely heard McDonald's money when I was about four or five. I'm like, because we would beg. And I thought that that was just some weird thing that she said. (laughs) I was like, God, she's so crazy. No one else says that. But it makes it. I was having a hard time not giggling whenever you were telling that story. It's such a great point, though, because, you know, if you grew up in a home where you ask for McDonald's and the answer is no, sweetie, you'll you'll hurt your dinner or whatever, you know, no, it's not the right calories for you. If that doesn't connect to your experience as a child, then it's not necessarily going to get you into little space. Right. Like it may be a totally different script for you. And if those aren't the scripts that we're writing, that we're showing and that we're sharing as a community, you're you're never going to find what you're looking for. That's really good. Um, curious, sleepy, have you experienced, or, or, um, maybe it's, a, maybe it's a dumb question, but, um, have you experienced discrimination? Have you experienced bias? And, and if so, how did it show up for you in the ABDL community? I don't know if I would say I've ever experienced like discrimination per se. Maybe there's like microaggressions. Um, and I'm, I'm tartling at like thinking of like specific moments if you don't have those, you know, moments that like sort of burn into memory, I, that's great. I'm glad, you know, I'm glad that there wasn't like this horrible experience, you know? 
I have a question for both of you. So my question is, um, does the ABDL community look like, does it look just like any other community that you're part of? Is it different in any way? Or do you feel like you get treated very similarly in like sort of a group of ABDLs that you would to say a group of human beings at Target or a group of human beings at a restaurant or just anything like that? I think currently my group of like ABDL like friends and stuff, we're definitely a lot more like we try to be a lot more inclusive and like sensitive to other like marginalized groups of people. So you're actually experiencing more inclusivity or at least acceptance of of minorities in the ABDL world than you are out in the rest of your world. Uh, yeah, for the, yeah, at the moment, yeah, I am. That's great. And Pandora, how about you? I lived most of my life in Los Angeles, so generally you'd think that things would be so much more liberal and inclusive here, but the ways in which you see discrimination are really subtle, and they're not so obvious, even though people are allegedly trying to be really inclusive. So I would also agree with Sleepy and say that my ABDL community is far more inclusive than the rest of my life, which I am trying to remedy and make the rest of my life as inclusive as the ABDL community. Like I'm extremely fortunate in that I'm in a position to like hire people and like give people work. And I go out of my way to give people of color, um, people who are like not this, you know, not straight. I go out of my way to try to like employ those people. Cause I'd like to see the rest of my life reflected, you know, the way I see it in the ABDL community. I love that you're doing that work. It's and a great mission. I'm, yeah, I'm so glad. And I'm, if the ABDL community that you're surrounded with is even a little bit better, that's that's good. Um, I can't wait until it is way, way better. Because this is a, a place that you actually can make a difference day after day after day in a way that we can all experience and recognize. It's probably a much bigger lift to change all of greater Los Angeles. But you can actually flex here, and I think that's super cool. And I recognize we have a really long way to go. Even even as I was sort of prepping to do this episode, I was scrolling through Tumblr and Instagram and FetLife because I wanted to get a sense of what's out there um, that maybe I haven't thought about before. So I specifically went looking for uh, black people from the U.S. and Asian people from the U.S., and it was pretty sparse. Pickens um, are slim out there, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty slim. Mm-hmm. And as a white person, it's like everybody looked like me. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, by the time I got done, I was like, man, I, I just had to fess up again that I have no idea what it's like to enter into something this important to me and see nobody who looks like me. I just have no concept. I came with the privilege just built in of having my race normalized in our community. And I mean, the ways that our community, like, I mean, black, and when I say that our community right now, I'm referring to the black ABDL community, because let me tell you, there is a subset community of us. Um, we, the way we combat that is we talk to each other and we support each other and we just do the whole like virtual black person nod to each other, which is, Hey, I see you. I acknowledge you. 
You know, we all see mm. you. We see each other. And that's extremely important. You're not invisible to me. I can see you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I love it. I mean, I'm so glad that you're doing that for each other. And do do you have any... Uh, words of wisdom for maybe folks like me who are like, yes, I want more of that too. Is there anything do you think that we can do? Uh, I would say the best thing you can do is to avail yourself to people who don't look like you and don't have your social experience. I don't mean just minorities, but people who are immigrants, people who are like not able-bodied, you know, just, or like just different body types, like avail. And when I say avail yourself, I mean, talking to people, treating other people like they aren't different, you know, while still acknowledging that their struggles are different. Like just mm-hmm. basically talking to people. <laughs> that's, a, that's the long and the short of it. I would agree to that. Um, I think for me, unfortunately, I'm not a very, like, I'm a pretty introverted person. So like, it's like one of those things like where I, like, I go to, like, I went to like, like Capcom, like the past Capcom, you know, like I was actually really thrilled to see like, you know, more Asians in general in Capcom, you know, and I wanted to talk to some and I just got, I just got shy and couldn't say anything. <laughs> I was also there with you at Capcom and I know you have introvert tendencies, but generally people know who you are and they really appreciate you. So when, when you spot those other Asian people at Capcom, do you have a similar like desire slash drive to say like, I see you, you see me. Um, Is there, is there a a benefit to you that you don't get from seeing folks who look like me? So can I tell you the story? Please. Like, Real quick, so I've I've told this story a couple times to some people, but um, I've been caught by my parents before, like plenty, like like at least twice in my life, and it's something my dad told me the very first time he caught me, and I was like in that, you know, I was like, you know, eleven, twelve years old, approaching twelve, and when he, and when he caught me, when he caught, when he found my stash and everything like that. You know, he, he he asked all those questions too, like why do you like this and da 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 da, and then you know like most I guess most what I would assume most Asian families do he took the more authoritarian approach, and one of the things he said was just like he was like stop doing this and like you're you're Chinese you're not you're not American this is what stuff American people do ah you know, but and um. And so, like, whenever I see an Asian person, it makes me feel like I'm not alone. And it's just like, and I think about, and I like, and like, so like, I think there was always like, maybe there were just moments like in the beginning where I was just like, where that that would like echo in my head, where I would just hear that, and I'd be like, I think about that, you know, when I look around in a room, and then just having more Asian people in the room, I'm always curious, like, what are their stories? Like, did they experience the same thing? Like, did they, did their parents like? catch them and tell them these things like and it's just it's just like so it's like when i see people at catcon and like dipchella and like you know all these like abdl events and they're asian like i just like it's just so reaffirming to know that i'm like i'm not the only person that i'm not some like some like abnormality somewhere you know i will say that black people have the exact issue like that is 
that like my I got really fortunate. My parents never found me out, but I know that when I first got into the community, like, and I mean, it's not even the community, but you hear black people talk and they're like, oh, we don't do that. We're not a part of that. Like, that's not, a, that's not what we do. And I could sort of extrapolate from there, like, oh, ABDL is also a thing we don't do. And I should feel bad about that because that's white stuff. That's not stuff that we do, you know? So yeah. I feel that. It's just such a reminder for me that, like, I spent 30 years feeling like the only person in the world, but it took me five clicks and an, a FetLife login before I discovered that I'm not. And Sleepy, you've been in the community for quite some time. Pandora, you've been in the community for quite some time. To think that there would then be a second layer of, I'm different, I'm weird, I'm alone, that wouldn't be solved for by, you know, a, a thousand instagrams and tumblers and fl scrolls that it would be yet another hurdle of i'm different i'm weird i'm wrong because this isn't something that chinese people do or this isn't something that black people do that's uh it, that i mean it's just heartbreaking to me because i know what a huge huge deal it was for me to not feel alone and i got to do that right away once i decided i had the guts to try yeah it's it, I'm not going to lie. That, that stuff was very difficult on the front end, which is why I waited till I was well in my 20s before I got a part of the community because the community looked so different for me. And it was just a bunch of people that I was like, not ready to like want to interact with on that level. And I just didn't feel safe at the time. But if it makes you feel any better, I feel like the community is way more accepting and way more inclusive now. And talking to people who are like just getting into the scene, like younger people, they're not experiencing the exact same time, the exact same type of uh, adversity that I did when I first got in and they're being welcomed with open arms. So there's a positive side to it. Really yeah. I've definitely noticed that change over the years, like just the whole, like, ABDL scene just starting to like diversify. It's nice. It's really nice. Mm hmm. We're doing, I'm really glad to hear that too. And we're, we're going to do a, an upcoming episode on what it's like to be trans in the ABDL community. We're going to do one on what it's like to be asexual. We're going to do one on what it's like to be an older person. And um, I've gotten the sense, even early in, in, in the research for those, that it's overall getting better and there's a lot of work left to do. And sure. I'm really glad to hear that things are getting better for people of color, that they're, that you don't have to feel totally alone, that at least there's the start of representation. In this community. In this community. I was, I was mouthing in this community <laughs> yes, because thank this, you, in this <laughs> climate, it is yeah. not getting not better everywhere. for anyone. No, 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 no. Let's um, be clear. That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, that's, that's, that's 700 other podcasts. This community. <laughs> yeah. R&T, I know, I know I've been hogging a bit. Um, no, I've actually been thinking, I've been debating whether or not I wanted to ask a question. I recognize, um, Sleepy and Blue Pandora, that this question is going to be very, um, like an alien. Like I've never lived on a planet with humans on it before, but I just, I'm curious about something and I just didn't know if it was okay to ask so i'm going to ask and then you can be like yeah that's a dumb question i don't want to answer it and then we'll just cut it out of the podcast can i touch um, your hair 
No, no I was going to make that joke, damn it. <laughs> That's I not what I was going to ask. I was going to make that joke. <laughs> Oh, I'm joking. White people don't ask. We just touch. <laughs> no, that's so great. Don't don't touch people. <laughs> don't touch people's hair. Don't touch that's people. a rule. Dear white people, don't touch people's hair. Oh Stop touching God. people. Um, no, the question. <laughs> the question I was gonna ask uh, is in so in little space. So okay gonna try and make this as concise as possible because my head i like went on a little tornado of thought on my own um when i'm in little space i sort of forget the very real issues that we've got going on in our world i just sort of forget like for a little while there is no anything nothing is wrong we don't have any responsibilities to our community, to the world, to anything. It's just being small. And my only thing I got to do is probably like fall asleep and pee. Um, but I wondered <laughs> if, because I've been told by many, a per, many a friend and many an article that having that sort of attitude isn't really just me and my little space. It's also a lot of what, um, white people have the privilege of, you know, just living in this little bubble. And I wondered if whenever you're in little space or whenever you're in any sort of space that you can sort of suspend the reality of our world, do you get to forget about racism for a little while or are you still very aware of it Ooh, when you're in little a, space or something? That's a really interesting question actually, because I think, yeah. I think, um, I would say a lot of people who said there's so many layers to how to answer that. So the the short answer is no. Yeah. I don't forget that ever. Even when I'm like, in fact, it impedes upon me being able to get into little space, like how fucked up things are right now. It's really hard. And that's probably a personal issue mixed with like a societal issue, but it is really, really difficult for me to mentally relax. And it's, again, personal and a larger issue, but it is, it's really hard to relax. But what you do is like, I mean, you just, you just keep it simple. You keep it simple when you're playing so that you can try to forget about things that constantly weigh upon your soul for lack of like a nicer way of putting it or a more delicate way of putting it. But it is the thing that is ever present in your life you can't forget about it and it's always there those things are always like in the corner of my mind like and i guess at like when we go to convent like when you go to like abdl conventions you know and i think one of the hardest things for me was like it was like a, such a i would have these like sobering reminders because i would like you know pat like we'd go down the hall and you'd see like the cleaning staff and stuff and i'm and i would just this feeling of guilt would just come over me because i'm like you know, I'm this first world American romping around in an adult diaper and this person has to like work hard and deal with people like me just to like get yep. clean the, like just to like make the bills and like, and it's just, it's just like, it's just like this, it's like the sense of like privilege that I have that like, it's just, it's like a reminder that I have this privilege that mm -hmm. like these people, these people don't have. I would guess, I won't say most, but I would guess a whole lot of people, myself included, didn't ruminate on that at Capcom because, uh, again, I'll, I'll point, point to myself here. It's not a privilege I've ever had to note before 
because I'm, I'm not a first generation American and nobody's ever, you know, asked me to take a language test because of the way I look. It, I certainly would thought, I'm so thankful for the staff. I certainly thought, wow, they're having to go above and beyond. How can I make it nice for them? But I didn't experience that guilt. And that's yet another privilege uh, that I'll stack on that I didn't earn. <laughs> and, and I will say, just a note on privilege. Um, a lot of people talk about privilege, and along with it comes a whole lot of shame and guilt. And if you were born with privilege, you're an asshole. Um, and I'll tell you my take, and I would be very welcome for you guys to throw eggs at me. Um, but the way I tend to think of privilege is this. You didn't cause it. Um, it doesn't make you an asshole because you have it. The question is, do you recognize it? And what are you going to do with it? And Exactly. I rec- because, I mean— it- Yes. You're, just because you're a white man doesn't mean you're the only person that has privilege. Sleepy and I, when we were talking about that cat con story, we were speaking as people who were of privilege in that position. Yeah. You know? And we're both minorities, so that's important to know. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, you know, like, I definitely, like, socioeconomically, you know, like, I had things I didn't go without. Um, so, like, I definitely have privilege. You know, yeah, and I hope I hope nobody listening hears in my voice uh, shame or guilt when I talk about my privilege. I don't feel guilty. I didn't cause it, but the, I do feel a tremendous responsibility to leverage all of the privilege that I was born with, social, financial, etc. I mean, shoot, I'm just a tall guy, white guy with a deep voice. All of those things give me privilege. I didn't I didn't choose any of them. I know everybody sort of puts you in the role of leader just because, just because of things that you. For- sort of popped out with right things that I had nothing to do with and none of those things make me feel shame or guilt what makes me feel guilty is when I ignore those things I ignore that they're privileged and I don't use them for some kind of good for people who for whatever reason didn't get it exactly so I, I hope I hope we made that distinction clear because saying the word privilege can feel like some oh, yeah. some folks to like we're throwing rocks we're not throwing rocks I'm not throwing rocks. yeah like it it sometimes I think sometimes it gets misinterpreted as like an attack on right on people now, um, now with that said let's when it's not yeah let's call out where we see it and that's okay and what you're describing is both a privilege of hey I wasn't born into a situation where I'm cleaning those hotel rooms and it was also uh recognizing that as a person of color that you're probably seeing things that I'm not seeing and thinking of things I'm not thinking of. If somebody wants to be an ally, because I know a whole bunch of people who are very passionate about this, but may not, may not know how to be an ally. Are there examples that you would say, you know what, this is what being a really great ally looks like for people of color in the ABDL community. Uh, listening to those folks that are minorities, like literally financially contributing. I know a lot of people have these abstract ideas of like what it means to support those folks. But if you're in a position where you can like, like thought, like physically like support those people and help them out. And like, for example, for me, the way that looks like is for the events that I hold for folks that can't necessarily afford to go to my event but would love to go to an abdl event and that's 
a thing that they have been looking forward to their whole lives or it's helping with their mental health, I will, I'm in a position where I'll happily pay to get those people to events. That's the one little thing that I can do. I try to make, you know, these events like, I try to make them events that everyone can attend. That's like, that, and I try to make it as inclusive and as safe as I possibly can. I'll tell you another thing you're doing, Sleepy, is you are appearing on a podcast that a lot of ABDLs listen to who don't yet go to events and who don't yet participate in the community. And you're saying, I am Asian and I'm an ABDL and I look like you maybe a little bit and you are welcome in our community. You're doing that right now. So I'm grateful for that too. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. I'm grateful for you for having this pod, for you both for having this podcast that we can, you know, talk about these things. Absolutely. Of course. This is, as, as we said, conversation one of yeah. several. But thank you guys. I really appreciate everything that you guys have shared. I was touched by your vulnerability. Likewise. And thank you. Thank you for, well, thank you for having us. <laughs> you bet. And thank you for, um, for saying yes to a conversation on race, which you've probably been asked <laughs> to have a thousand times. And uh, I'm just, I'm grateful that you would bring it to Love and Brief. Thank you guys. Before we let you go, we do want to plug a couple of things. So you may have heard uh, Blue Pandora reference an event or two, and uh, she happens to be one of the founders, principal organizers of a little event called Dipchella. Pandora, tell us about what's coming up for Dipchella. So we are aiming to do two Dipchellas per year, and the next one is coming up on January 30th through February 3rd of next year. And Dipchella is an all-inclusive ABDL event. Like, we really go all out. We do things. We do parties. And we just have been doing a few for a while now, and they're so fun, and we'd love to have you there. I can just second that. R&T were at Dipchella last year. You may have heard the podcast we did right afterwards. It's so much fun. It's so much fun. No drama. Totally inclusive. It is. Absolutely it's, magnificent. It's, um, it's amazing. And our team's got better. <laughs> That's imposter. Can you give us a hint? Cool yeah, they were pretty cool. What, oh, what's, what's coming? Oh, goodness. Like our, so our signature night is Medieval Night, and we went all out. Everybody was decked out in costumes. We had a great haul. We had like a mead. We had like a full catering spread. It was so fun. And all the hosts like busted their asses to make it happen. Um, is there anything sleepy that, uh, that you want to share or plug or talk about? Um, stop saying plug. I guess just, you know, like, <laughs> Oh, does it turn you off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, you know, like I, I have a um, local group that I run with some other, along with some other great people, um, and we call ourselves the Raleigh Rascals, um, and we're just like a local, we're just a group of local littles who like to hang out and have fun, and I occasionally throw parties at my place, um, and I guess, yeah. <laughs> That's perfect, and that would be Raleigh, North Carolina. Well, thank you both. I'm really thrilled to get to start this topic. Remember, this is one of several episodes uh, to come. They won't be back to back, but we have so much more to cover on this topic. And I'm grateful for my guests and I'm grateful for my future guests. So if this is something that you want to talk about and you happen to be a person of color and want to say, hey, look, from my experience, this is what it's like. I'm looking for folks from all kinds of different backgrounds. We have yet to, in this discussion, we haven't talked to any Latinx people. We haven't talked to any people from Middle Eastern backgrounds. I would love to dig into 
lots and lots of different people of color's experience, as well as more black folks, more Asian folks. I want that kind of representation uh, from people of color on this podcast to talk about their experience. So please shoot us a note. You can send it to Love and Brief at gmail.com, or you can join us on FetLife in our uh, group that we talked about, Love and Brief Podcast, or if you really want to, you can shoot me a note on Instagram. At Resonant Yes. I'm doing the at sign in the air. You are doing the at sign in the air. At Resonant Yes uh, on Instagram. And feel free to get in touch with our guests as well. Again, we have Blue Pandora and Sleepy K. You can get in touch with them on FetLife. I'm Resonant Yes. And I'm Road Not Taken. And this has been Love in Brief. Love in Brief.